Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast Thursday edition. Continue our series titled The Greatest Revelation this week, and I am joined back in the studio. We'll call this the studio. Back in the, the living room set up here uh, by lead pastor, Russell, lead pastor Russell Schultz. And uh, Russell, what's up, man? Been a, you got a week off there from the podcast, took a little trip to Georgia, see the fam. Happy yeah. to have you back. Yeah, happy to be back. Uh, yeah, Georgia's great. So... Any hilly there? Well, interesting. I don't think of hilly when I think of Georgia, but I haven't been there very often. Well, uh, I went for a run like the first morning I was there, and there was not a flat road the entire time. You're either going downhill, uphill, downhill, uphill. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Any uh, great revelations or apocalypses, uncoverings, if you will, during your trip? Hmm. No. I mean, no. Yes, but no. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> all right, all right. Sounds good. That's a more of an off off air. Yeah, it's not appropriate for 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 listeners. Fair. All right, all right. Fair enough. Uh, so you had a chance to listen back to last week, hear Ryan and I's conversation. Anything you want to address or mention before we get started with today's content? Well, I think you got to have Ryan Burrow on the podcast more. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I thought I thought you all, you all did great. I. Uh, the only the only thing that I would maybe clarify would be uh, I think Ryan asked you a question about like did they have the New Testament uh, and I would and you uh, the only thing I would have the way I would have answered that question would have been depending on where they were they'd have certain letters in circulation because John if it this is a, attributed to John who was the only one of Jesus' disciples who doesn't get martyred he gets to live the old life. Because, because he's the one that Jesus loves. There you go. Classic. Anyway, but so if it's later, they probably have some of the gospels that are in circulation. Nothing written down that they would just like be able to go look at. Maybe maybe in Ephesus, you know. Um, but they would have known the teachings of Paul. They would have known the gospels, and uh, and again, and then they would have really leaned heavy on the Old Testament. Sure. Well, that's why I like having you on. That's why you're the best guest because you are my safety net, and it's good to have you back. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you feel you feel safe today? I, I feel much safer today. I uh, I always am a little nervous with guests that I'm going to go a little off the rails because uh, I get a little overconfident sometimes. Just no. think I know what I'm talking about. When you I do know what you're talking about. So, but. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, I think I also, at one point, I said that one of the churches was apoplectic, and what I meant was apathetic. So that's two different two different uh, pages on your Word of the Day calendar that I just got confused. Yeah, I was about to say, you told me that uh, off, I guess, yesterday when we were talking about it, and uh, I was like, I don't even know what that word is. I've never heard that word before, but... Yeah, well... Yeah, it's been... Yeah, they definitely mean different things. Apoplectic? Apoplectic. Plectic. With a P. Apoplectic. Yes, there you go. And then uh, apathetic was what I was going for, which is a little more, uh, you know, lazier or not, just not interested, disinterested, if you will. Well, anyway, one question before we jump in, and I kind of asked you this beforehand, gave you a little bit of a head start. I'm not sure that you have a strong answer on it, but any uh, any applications you're sending out to those churches mentioned last week? Are you... uh, not that you would ever leave Mission City, but just in case, any uh, interest in you know sending out your your resume? 
didn't Ryan call himself a pastor? Like, uh, what, what did he say when he jo- last week when he joked about uh, something about the pastor of love? Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I don't think that's what it was, but I I would love to title him that. I uh, I think I'd I'd choose uh, Laodicea. Uh, oh, okay, a little little war- lukewarm, huh? Well, I mean, I could get get him hot or cold either way. I will probably cold. <laughs> You could fire him up. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Well, hey, that's good for you. Okay. Uh, awesome. Well, so just to, just to recap the last couple of weeks. So week one, uh, again, we talked, so we're walking through the book of Revelation while also talking about how God reveals things to us. Week one, we looked at the idea that um, just the importance of being in God's presence and how that is where I, like, typically God reveals things to us is when we're in his presence. That's probably not a, a brain buster or a new thought for many people, but it is the truth. Uh, and then last week we talked about how God initially, uh, oftentimes he, he's after our heart more so than the details of our lives that we get really caught up in or that we feel like are really important. Not that God doesn't see them as important to us also, uh, but he sees the things that are most important and that's, you know, capturing our heart and, uh, reducing the sin, the death in our lives and giving us life. And so, uh, yeah, he, that's what he, uh, starts out his, his vision to John with, uh, is to point out the maybe that some of the corruption or some of the things that are happening inside of the churches that he wants to root out. So, yeah, I just think correction or, uh, like a opportunity for God to dis, we don't like the word discipline, but it does show his love for us that he cares enough to say, no, like I have something better for you. And, um, and that, that, that is revelation. Like we don't like to think that that's revelation because it, sometimes it's hard. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, okay, so this week we are jumping into chapter 5. We are beyond the churches, and we're looking at uh, just the the beginning kind of some of the some of the maybe the reason why people stay away from Revelation, because <laughs> there are some, there's some funky stuff in here, right? There's some stuff that uh, is a little bit awkward or intense even, or gets you a little bit like, because you're picturing this in your mind, right? And it's a very a gripping image sometimes. Yeah. And I realize that I'm saying all this without actually reading it or giving the context, but some of the images in Revelation are like, wow, that's almost disturbing. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll get into some of that today. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's fascinating, honestly. And then it's also, I think it can be confusing because it's, it is like, it's apocalyptic literature or it's, it's like image driven literature. And so some of the imagery um, like we don't necessarily have the same con, like we, we, we have the same words in our own context today, but some of that imagery, um, like it, the, what we would imagine might be different or the implications in what John is, John is implying by his vision. Yeah. And I think I'm glad that you said that because one of the things that's jumped out to me is as I've been studying this, because I've been like Ryan mentioned last week, and I think like you had mentioned to me off air, um, Revelation has been a scary one or one that I've tried like, kind of avoided, like intentionally, like it just like, I don't really care to know. I've just made the general conclusion that um, I don't know when the world's going to, when all this is going to happen. I don't know when Jesus is going to return. I'm just going to live my life that way and it's going to be fine. So I don't need to read the book of Revelation. But we we miss out, I think, when we do avoid it because of all this kind of cool symbolism and things. And um, I've really enjoyed, as I've been studying it, maybe some of the, not that we have the exact interpretation of what all of the symbols mean, but I've picked up on so much more symbolism than what I initially picked up on, I guess, the last time I read it or whatever. Uh, have you heard the song? Do you know the song uh, 90s Country? Uh, 
I don't know. I don't you, think so. You didn't think you were going to get that callback. Uh, <laughs> nope. So there's, uh, I think it's Walker Hayes does a song that's like where he just has all these references to like 90s country songs. I don't know if it's actually titled 90s country. Now oh, but he's it. like, he like he misses or wishes. Is that right? Like he wishes the music was like the 90s music? No, it's more so like, it's like a just... St- not stolen, but he just copies the lyrics of like and takes little little lines from a bunch of different country songs um, from the '90s. Anyway, I, if you're listening to this and you know what I'm talking about, great. If you don't, that's fine. Uh, the point I was going to make is that like the more I listen to that song, the more little nuggets and like like little lines that I pick up on, like oh yeah, I remember that song where that came from. And like there was somebody did a, a research that there was like so many different songs or something. It was like a crazy number of songs that he had like taken lyrics from uh, to make up his song, which is really cool and really creative. But the I'm saying I bring this up just because I think that's one of the the symbolisms of or like the symbolic uh, pieces of Revelation are kind of like listening to that song where the more I read it, the more I pick up on these like callbacks or, you know, hyperlinks to uh, old Testament um, things that are symbolically represented in the book of revelation. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's like, it's a, it's a lot of fulfillment language. Um, and knowing the old Testament helps you understand knowing revelation. It also, the context of re- the church in revelation, they were that the church was being persecuted. And so they were, their revelation is a book of hope for the persecuted church around the world uh, in that, that Jesus ultimately would come back and like you get the imagery of what Jesus is going to do in the end. Um, and so, yeah, but, the, but when you get into to interpretation, we're kind of in a rabbit trail at this point, but what happens is we either, uh, we either can hyper focus on these like futuristic uh literalistic too. So futuristic literists are the ones that take these images and go, it's going to happen exactly like that, even though it's like intended to be imagery, vision language. And then you have the futuristic image or like, uh, not literal, uh, figurative, like these Ah, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. there it is. Uh, this like, it's almost like figurative language. And so it's like, it's like this, it's, it's, it's giving you image, image to put around it that is describing it in a, in a different way, maybe. Uh, and then there's people that are like, no, this this whole book is actually like from things from the past, really highlighting. Uh, they're they're actually not like futurists. They're actually like uh, preterists, is what they're called, or old, like this just happened in the past as well. Uh, and these are accounts of different things that happened at different times. So anyway, co- very confusing book. Uh, worth not. I, I think it's worth our time, and I think we need to stop avoiding it. Hmm. You said a lot of really smart things there that I think I half understood. The thing that stood out to me is that you called it a book of hope, uh, which is maybe like the first thing that you said. Uh, but it's not a book of doom and gloom and fire and brimstone. It's a book of hope, and that's great. <laughs> it is. Yeah, there's judgment in it, right? Like, yes, absolutely. But the, that's the reality of what we think. I mean, we like we believe that Jesus is going to judge the, the world, the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. Um but we also believe in the end that he's going to make all things new. And so it's great. Yep. All right. Well, that being said, let's finally jump into chapter five here and I'm going to read a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit, just kind of do it that way uh, about some of the symbolism and things as we get to them. So starting in verse, uh, sorry, chapter five, verse one, it says this, then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. 
Now, my understanding of this, Russell, is that a scroll, uh, a seal, if you will, on a scroll back in the day would be something that was like, you know, you pour some hot wax on, you put a signet on it, and you seal the scroll. However, multiple seals could be used. You know, this could be one of two things. Um, It could be that the scroll was completely finished, and then seven basically drops of wax were put on the outside and sealed together, or they did a seventh of it, put a little wax down, tightened that up, you know, and sealed it and then wrote a little bit more and put a seal down and sealed it there. And then, so it's basically like there's on the outside, you only see one seal, but as you unroll, there are seals as you go. Uh, now, do you have any comments or any thoughts on, on the difference there? I don't know that it really matters, but I just thought, thought that was really interesting because we don't really write letters with seals anymore. Right. You know, I don't, I really don't have any comments on that. So I think it's fascinating. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I've, I've always traditionally thought about it being seven, seven on the outside. Right. Like that's just how I've thought about it. Like, I guess myself. Right. What do you think the implications of, you know, seals as, as, as you go on, as you're kind of unrolling it? Well, and this is why I think that it actually makes a lot more sense that it's the seals are as you go, as opposed to all seven being on the outside. And it was actually, I think the one positive of maybe bringing this up is that it was a little bit enlightening to me of like, oh, it makes more sense now that he does, he opens one seal and then an event happens and then he opens another seal and an event happens. If the scroll is wound in a way that you know it's sealed every so often as opposed to all seven being on the outside because if all seven you know if he's popping them as he goes and it's not until the seventh one breaks that the whole scroll unravels um then it it's kind of weird that there's these events that happen along the way if the scroll is somehow predicting them or something like that i don't know uh that's getting a lot into the weeds but I think it's a, I think it's just an interesting thought of like you know do this do the seals go are they as you go or are they all seven on the outside? Yeah, I mean I I think um, I was just uh, sometimes some you know sometimes you read something so many times and you don't like look at word order. I think probably the more literal person would probably say, well, he says he broke it says it on the back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm I'm not saying that you're wrong because right, but right, then right. it goes to describe the what happens. Like as it as it goes on, I think it's fascinating yeah. to think about. I don't think it, I don't think it matters. I mean, ultimately, w- what's mattering is that who is worthy to break the scroll. Right, right, exactly. Thank you for that professional segue. Uh, starting in verse professional two, professional segue. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, "Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals?" And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. I am perplexed by that moment because there's a part of it that's like what is John getting that we don't about the scroll if he's going to be weeping that no one can open it like clearly there's some kind of understanding on his side that there's something important about this scroll and he wants to find out what's inside of it or whatever um, that he would be weeping about it but there's no one found that can open it I just like that scene in my mind is really interesting yeah I I (laughs) To me, I, I just go straight to like, uh, this is like a Thor's hammer moment. Oh, yeah. Or uh, Excalibur. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Excalibur too. Yeah, so there's only one that's worthy. Like, right. I don't I don't know why. I don't even care what John's doing. I, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. um, 
I should probably because it's like uh, I really should, but I just they're they're setting up the fact that Jesus is so awesome. You know what I mean? Correct. And that he's worthy and like we don't have to fear anymore. We don't have to weep anymore because he's so awesome because he is the one that's worthy. And so, yep. um, but then I also get like funny imagery of like different angels and like maybe John's trying to break the scroll and he's just like so curious. Yes. He's just so mad. It's like a strongman <laughs> competition and there's yeah. one by one having people try to break them and nobody can do it. Yeah. And he's just getting more and more frustrated. Yeah. The dudes that get the alarm called at, on them at uh, Planet Fitness are walking in Correct. with their, their slim t-shirts and... Lunk alarms are going yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> Everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. No one can break the scroll. <laughs> Yes, we've just transported to Venice Beach and uh, had all the people trying in, to... In the heavenly place. But Correct. in all seriousness, though, it's like it's intended to, I think, make... It's like, no, Jesus is awesome, you know? Right, right. Yeah, because... And then, yeah, so again, professional segue. Uh, and one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Lion of the tribe of Judah, root of David... Uh, if you are a Bible person, some alarms should be going off in your mind of the the callback there. There's some some symbolism or some uh, you know some some references there. So um, yeah, if you are interested, uh, you can write these down. Genesis 49:9 is where we get the idea of the lion of the tribe of Judah, and uh, Isaiah 11:1 1 is the uh, root of the tr- of David. It's the idea that you know these are going to be the the coming Messiah would have these titles along with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so and this, I, I think I mentioned this last week. Um, I talked about the person of uh, that the that was revealing this to John being Jesus. I think I just referenced. I, I maybe did a poor job as a host of mentioning why I was calling him Jesus this whole time. Uh, a lot, like scholars just kind of in general, that's that's the general consensus. That's why we have the Im- the symbolism or the imagery of him being in this like kind of priestly garment um, in the sword coming out of his mouth. Like he's just the priest king who conquered with the word of his mouth. Um, that's that's the idea of Jesus. And, and again, here we're getting that same symbolism that these are more just kind of uh, markers or arrows to this is this is Jesus. This is he's from the line of David. He is the line of the tribe of Judah. He's from Judah. Um, all of those things point towards this being the descendant, the Messiah that is Jesus. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, you can't you can't miss it. And I mean, you can you can trail you can track these all the way back. And then this is what Jesus accomplished. This is who Jesus is as the anointed one, as the Jewish Messiah. He is the Ancient of Days. He is the line of the tribe of Judah. He is the Son of Man that's mentioned in Daniel, who is then mentioned over and over and over again. So right, exactly. And he conquered, which is a really interesting. If you tie in last week's episode talking about how if the tri- if this church conquers, this is what's left for them. If this church conquers, this is what's left for them. They mention now he is the one who has conquered. Yep, which I think is really interesting. Which is too. the hope, right? Like these right. are they're suffering. This is the hope. That, yep, yep. And he made the way. And starting in verse 6, we'll see a little bit more about that. So it says this, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. A couple interesting things here. A lamb that was standing as though it had been slain. Now, I'm not really versed in slaying lambs, but it seems <laughs> like it wouldn't be standing if it was slain. Does that add up for you? 
I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But it's got seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, which I texted you earlier this week and asked you if you had any idea what the seven spirits of God were. And I did not. I'm not and, sure that we have an answer for that one. I didn't go and study it. I know that much. <laughs> I think, you know, I think I'm still somewhat hesitant to really go and do full research on stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I, I won't. Maybe, but maybe next week I'll make a list to uh, maybe n- next week, next podcast. Okay. I'll have an answer for the seven spirits of, of God. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, and then so moving, like continuing on into verse seven, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Again, so we have a slain lamb who is standing and moving and taking a scroll. Um, interesting. Again, the imagery, this is, it's a little disturbing. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are prayers of the saints. Now, I think as weird as it may sound for a lamb to be standing as though it were slain. Oh, first off, let's just think about that. So what does that mean? Like it's bloody, most likely. Uh, maybe there are some cuts or scrapes or even holes in the lamb. You know, I don't know what the antiquated process for butchering a lamb would be, but it's in some ways, you know, been killed or appears to be killed, however it's moving. And um, and I think that this goes back to the conquering thing, what's really interesting. Again, so we talked about the, the callbacks of um, just being the root of David or the line of the tribe of Judah. It's also that it's a, it's a, the Lamb of God that was given for the sins of the world, right? It is slain, and yet that's also the picture of conquering. Right. So one of the things that we've talked about through the series is kind of how this imagery points to something other than what it is. And so the imagery here is showing us, much like how the sword coming out of Jesus' mouth isn't a sword of violence, it's a sword to show us that the the, the word of our testimony is our, is our offense, basically. Um, the same way is that we see that the lamb conquered by giving itself up, by its death, which is the picture that we get of Jesus on the cross as well. as That's really, he's seated in his throne as being given for the sins of the world. And so uh, I, I think that's maybe the more important piece is, uh, you know, I am really interested to hear <laughs> next week how uh, we get to what we conclude, the seven spirits of God being. I'm doing a quick uh, quick study right now, which I'll, I'll uh, clarify a little bit more. But Perfect. I do think... I will say, like the, I th- I think we we celebrate that sacrifice. You know what I mean? Like I think yes, it's bloody. Yes, it's like that. That seems very graphic. I remember the first time I saw the Passion of the Christ and how like graphic that was, um, how bloody that was, and and it's traumatic, which is supposed to be traumatic because it's supposed to show the the nastiness of the evil in the world, the sin of human beings as well. Uh, but we, we do celebrate and remember that like in the, his blood in his sacrifice in his, him being slain, like we are set free. And so as a risen conquering King, we don't forget that. Like that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, it's a victorious place in some ways. Right. Right. Which you don't typically think of death being victory, but that's the whole yeah. message of the gospel right and then, yeah and then to live that way but anyway we'll, we, we can talk about that in a minute but so um 
interesting enough, that, that I'm sure, uh, surprise for anyone who spends enough time with me, there's multiple ways you can think about this. <laughs> I, I won't conclude. I'll, I'll do more research than a quick Google search. But so it, it could just be seven it's like angels that are that are there um, or, or uh, a, a fun research to which if you have a rabbit hole or just you have time to read books that are thousands of pages long do like a, a study of what spiritual beings are and like, it could be like kind of the divine council where there's these spiritual beings and there's seven, it could be seven of them. That's possible. Okay. Um, it also, uh, um, it also could, uh, be referring to the completion of the Holy spirit, uh, and basically all of the different types of spirits, if you will, I'm putting that in air quotes to, so you can see that. But, uh, Isaiah 11, 12, Two references these. Uh, so it says this. It says, <clears throat> And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So that's actually seven spirits. Spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel, spirit of power, spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And then in that, there's the completion of those seven spirits is the almost like the characteristics or the like the wholeness of the Holy Spirit is if I'm, if I'm understanding this quick, you know, again, this is me somewhat listening, somewhat skimming as I'm, as I'm, (laughs) as I'm, I'm I'm multitasking. We all know I don't multitask, Jake. No, you're good. So I'm glad uh, I appreciate that last one. I think the most, not to, not to say that I think that that's right, but as you were talking, um, I was thinking through just looking back at the passage and seeing, okay, so we have the lamb who was slain, which we, you know, we, we have concluded as Jesus and that's the picture of him on the cross and everything. And then you see that the spirits go out into the world. Now I'm not saying that this is what I actually believe or this is the truth or anything, but to me, the way I verbally pro- or the way I process that is Jesus goes on the cross and then Pentecost happens and, yep. the, and the spirit comes down and rests on the believers. Correct. Right? And so um, there's a part of me that's like, and, and seven is a number of fullness of completion and yep. all that. So it's like the one way that you could think about this, I suppose, or that I'm currently processing it is we have a, the image of Jesus, which leads to the fullness of the spirit of God being unleashed upon the world. Mm-hmm. And that truly, I mean, that's, that lines up with what we believe of the New Testament. That's what we l- believe of the Gospels and of Acts. And so that adds up for me, and it kind of demystifies a little bit, if that's the case, of you know an image that, again, is, is very stark and like in your face of a bloody lamb that's taking a scroll and is the only one. All the strong men couldn't open the seal, but the bloody lamb could. <laughs> yeah, I, I at, at first reading, too, like it, I guess it's fine to to say I guess it could be other beings but I I like I think I think where I'm going to try to land today is on yeah I, I think because it's the seven spirits of God I I think I actually really like I like it being the Holy Spirit and then kind of the completion of his work yeah. and I just clicked on another article um by a, a reputable source I would trust and I think they're they're leaning in that direction too. I will do more study as well because sure. there's there's just more. I'm sure someone has written volumes about this one thing, Jake. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, regardless, at least we've given you kind of a framework for maybe how to process some of this imagery and maybe the what what would appear on at face value to be very odd and weird. Sure. Actually, maybe we've demystified it a little bit. I also just like the fact that if the spirit's present here, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Like, I think so often in the we, if we're gonna limit one of the godheads, it's the the spirit. We 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 limit a lot. Yeah, and then so as we 
look at that. Like here's the here's the big I think the big takeaway if we're going to so we've gotten really into the weeds here of these individual things. Let's zoom out a little bit. The big takeaway is Jesus is the answer. Right? Like of all the things that you mentioned this before, the only one who could open the scroll was the conquering lamb who was slain and that is Jesus and that's the revelation that I get from this section of the book. Yeah, like Jesus is the the great revelation. Right. And I think even on a personal like application standpoint. So again, we're trying to tie this all back to, again, when you have uh, something that comes up in your life or you're trying to receive revelation, you're trying to receive an uncovering from God of something that's happening. I think this is a great point to bring up that Jesus is the solution. Ultimately, we find everything that we need in Jesus. And so you might be frustrated that you're not hearing about should I take that job? Should I move? Should I marry? Should I, you know, whatever it may be. I, those are just kind of the three big ones that I go off to. But you all, you know what I'm talking about. You have things in your life as you're listening to this that you're praying for, you're trying to get answers about. And like, it can be frustrating, but the reality is that like Jesus ultimately is where we find all of those things. And so like when I'm praying for God to give me an answer about something, what am I, is my ultimate response that I'm finding peace in that answer or that I find peace in Jesus? Do I, do I trust? Do I believe that God ultimately has my best in my, regardless of if he gives me an answer to the specific question I'm asking? Uh, we had a, we had a couple who, um, recently was, you know, trying to discover if they were supposed to move to take a a, a new job somewhere else or, you know, go across the country. And they were kind of asking me to, you know, pray for them. And and I'm happy to do that. I think, I think God can reveal things specifically about those plans and everything. But one thing that I was continuously reminding them was, look, you guys are seeking the Lord in this and he's not a God of confusion. If he wants to give you an answer to it, he will having a bunch of fear and anxiety and like frustration about it is not what God's ultimate plan is. Like the answer is in Jesus and to rest in him and to know like what he offers. Yes. You can ask the questions. Yes. You can pray about the specific details, but ultimately we should always return to Jesus gives me everything that I need. And if I get this answer, great. And if I don't, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and I, I uh, Maybe maybe we should. This could be a level of growth, maybe for just people that are in similar stages of life that we're in, like needing revelation for an to, to answer a question. Like I need revelation to answer this question. I need I need God to reveal something to me so I can know if I need to take a new job or I need to marry this person or I need to move or what whatever else it is. And I think I think this makes me if Jesus is the true revelation, the one that laid down his life and died again, and he's the only one that is worthy. That's what he is. He's the only one that's worthy. Then I think, I think, um, what I, what I, what I want to grow in is I want to grow in being like just content in how worthy and how great he is. Like, in other words, I just want to be content in the worship of Jesus because he is worthy. And like, I don't, I don't even need like sure direction and vision. Like we need that and it causes anxiety, but I need to stop for, this is me too. Like I'm always thinking about the next thing, even in mission cities life. Like you and I had a conversation about the next thing right. or two to three years from now. Right? right. But it's like, and yeah, like I think God has shaped our hearts and stuff like that too, but I'm going to enjoy the process from getting from here to there so much more. If I just sit 
and understand how worthy, how great, how glorious Jesus is. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because I, I think maybe the way that I said it originally made it sound like I have it all figured out or something. No, like, I don't. I don't think that. Like, I, I didn't hear it that way either. Well, but like, I, it's it's way easier to just say trust that Jesus has it all taken care of and that, you know, the best that God has your best in mind and that you're, it's all going to work out and you don't need to worry about it, whatever. It's easy to say that until you're in the moment and it feels like this next obstacle in life is the most important thing in your life right now. And you have to find an answer to it. And then it gets a lot more challenging to just go, well, Jesus is the solution. And you know, that can actually be really frustrating for somebody to even hear that. And so, um, you saying that kind of just like sparked in me, like, yeah, like this isn't something that we expect everyone to just snap your fingers or remind yourself. And it's like, oh yeah, that's right. I should just trust that Jesus has it all and we're good. But like more so this is a process of, again, just, um, giving it to the Lord and saying, look, I'm really worried about this. I am concerned. I have stress. I'm anxious. I'm like frustrated. I don't know why you haven't, you haven't answered this or whatever it may be, but I am going to try to trust that Jesus, like that Jesus is the solution, that he's worthy of my praise, that he's worthy of trusting, um, that he's been faithful and I'll return to that place of, I have all I need in Jesus. Um, and, and it's a process. It's like continuously going back to that as opposed to, Oh, you just need to tell yourself this and it's all going to be fine. You know, like it's the, what you feel is real. Yeah. I think, I think for me, like I, it's like, no, like I'm waiting for this to happen. I want this to happen. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. And I think, and then, then my prayer time with Jesus is Jesus. Why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? And maybe it's a sin, maybe it's whatever else it is, but it's like, I think maybe I want to change my posture to Jesus where it's like, yes, Jesus, I, 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 I'm angry by this. I'm frustrated by this. I'm not going to stop. Like I feel this way. This is what I feel. Um, I'm, and I, and I trust you doesn't mean I don't still feel this way. I still trust you, but regardless of how quick the solution comes if or if it doesn't come, maybe I never happens. I, I am going to choose to worship Jesus because he's worthy. Is that, you know, see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, and that's what we see. In, in Revelation. That's, that's, that's what happens. That's, yeah. that's exactly what happens. And starting in verse 9, we see that after the Lamb, is, who is worthy, un, begins to unlock the scrolls, or is, it's, they understand that he's capable of doing so, this is what happens in verse 9. They sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. That's good. That's the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But, but, but that's, you're exactly right. And one of the points that I wanted to get to as we you know, kind of make our way towards the end here is that's the proper, to me, as I've read this and as I've understood this, that's the proper response is, is to worship, is to cut, turn it back to praise, uh, regardless of if we feel frustrated or if we feel um, like we're not heard or we're not getting the answer that we want. Uh, Jesus is worthy regardless of those things and how we may feel in the moment, because all these things too, looking at one of the things that we lose when we don't read the book of revelation, this is, this dawned on me as I was looking at it. 
we sometimes get so hyper-focused on individual things. We lose sight of the grand picture sometimes. And I think God is so much more often seeing the whole picture than we are that we get so hyper-focused on these little details of our lives. And he's like, look, we've got eternity together. (laughs) That is far more important than what this is. And not to say that he's devaluing or doesn't, you know, feel the, the stress that, or, you know, he's not with you in that. Um, but he just has so much of a more care for the things that truly matter. And we lose sight of the things that truly matter so easily, uh, looking at the, the details and the, the obstacles that we face in front of us that just seem so overwhelming in the moment, but it's just a blip on the radar for, for the grand scheme of things that God can see. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is. Uh, I've thought about that a lot more recently too, just like how, the th- what like what is God concerned with you know and he cares about us he loves us but there are like the way that we're not like we're not like chess pieces moving about the board but sometimes it can feel that way right like God's plan and moving in our lives and it's like we want him to move us one space over and God's navigating and orchestrating everything and holding all things together and so there is a broader sense there, there's a broadness to what God is doing in the world, mm-hmm. and um, and I think, I I, th- I think where what that the conclusion is, or one of the growth areas that I probably need to tell myself uh, regularly is that it's not all about me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. Like, because this is that's the other conclusion of this too. This is the this is a revelation from from this. I'm not worthy. Jesus mm. is worthy. It's mm. not all about me. It's all about Jesus. There you go. But the problem is, is we've, we live in a society where we're told it is all about me. It's all about the right job. Or all, and, and that's why when, you know, we get dissatisfied when, 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 you know, we have even everything that we, we've always dreamed of. Right. And then it's not enough. Right. It's the burden of choice. Like we don't talk about that a whole lot, but we live in a society that offers us a lot of choice and we fought for that. And like, that is a huge part of the American culture. Uh, however, there becomes a burden with that. Like we live, you know, take it to a, like a kind of a silly local example. There are, you know, 18 places to go get chicken <laughs> around us. Uh, well, which chicken place are we going to tonight? You know, it's like, it's stupid. All of them. I love right. chicken. <laughs> it, it, right. It's stupid that that would be a stressful decision. Yeah. But like that's just the reality that we've created for ourselves because we like choice. Um, and so, yeah, you're talking about, and it, but it goes on to a much, much larger, much more important things too. Like we talked about in those important decisions, like we want answers to because they matter a lot to us and they're right in front of us. But again, um, that we ma- we, we don't matter less, uh, but w- it's just not about us. Right. It's, uh, yeah. That, that's the tension, right? Like so you, you might've, this might be giving you like uh, post-traumatic stress from, previous churches where it's like, it's not about you, which it's not, but it's also, it doesn't mean that God doesn't give you value. I mean, he laid down his life for you. I love, I mean, reading this verse again in nine, worthy uh, are you to take the scroll out and open it. So he's worthy to do it for you were slain. So he died Uh, by your blood. You ransom people from God, from every tribe, every uh, and language and people and nation. So God is inviting every person from every family uh, who he has purchased with his blood and then what he does is he establishes you. He's given you a purpose and a mission. He's given us a mission in his kingdom, made them a kingdom. Like we now are a part of a nation. We are a part of a, a new family, a new creation, a new kingdom. Uh, and 
And what is our job in in there? We are king, like we're a royal priesthood. Like as as Jesus is the royal king, like we get to to follow in His footsteps. We get to be mediators between God and creation, and God and humanity for people that are far away. And we get to reign with Him and be responsible for the world He's given us. Which is, by the way, Genesis one already restated in Revelation to give you a hyperlink. But that's an incredible job that you have. Like you get to mediate on behalf of God to people. Like you get to lead and and rule the life that God has given you, and 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 then point people to the one that's worthy. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's start heading kind of towards the end here. I think that's a great. Uh, you've said a lot of really great things today. I'm glad to have you back. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But it's good to be back. Yeah. So, uh, I, I I find. Okay, let's just do a quick recap. So Jesus is the worthy one. He's the lamb who was slain. He conquered through a different way, through giving his life. And when we seek revelation, one of the things that we should keep in mind that Jesus has everything that we need to offer, regardless of if we get the answer that we're looking for or not. We're not actually, it's not all about us, um, and that there's this grand plan, this grand narrative that's being played out, and we're lucky to be able to be a part of it and to hear from God and have revelation, but truly we find everything that we need in Jesus. Um, and then the proper response is to turn it back into praise, to worship Jesus because he is the worthy one uh, and we are unworthy. And I think I would say in worship in a sense of like, yeah, like sing praise to him, pray, like um, do that, but also like to do what like he's made you into a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so a part of worship, an act of worship is to fulfill that role of being a royal priesthood. Like that's what. That's what we've been called to. Yep, absolutely. And if you're looking for a little bit more clarity or another verse maybe to, to kind of reemphasize this idea of Jesus being kind of, this is, Jesus is the revelation. Like he is the who we should be. He is the worthy one, all of that. Uh, in Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two, it, the book starts out, or the, the, the scroll starts out this way. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. We see that throughout the Old Testament. You know, there's people, there are mouthpieces of God who are speaking to the nations. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus is the, he is speaking to us, or the word is speaking to us through his actions, through what he did, through who he was, and that he offers us everything that we need in him. And so I I just just find that verse to be a great tie-in and a kind of a bow on what we've been talking about today. Uh, I truly believe, and I think this verse confirms that God speaks to us through his son. Uh, Jesus was the answer to open the scroll. And he's the answer to the challenges that we are facing now, just trusting in him, knowing that he's worthy, praising his name, and uh, obedience in playing our part inside of the kingdom that he has made us a part of. Um, and so uh, that's that's the, that's all I have to say about it, Russell. Is there anything else that you want to just – any last comments that you have? Uh, no, I just think maybe today just take some time and just tell Jesus that he's worthy. Like praise him. Mm. Like take 10 minutes, five minutes. Go to a place that you like. If it, if it's cold outside, stay inside. Get a blanket. Be quiet. Turn on your favorite song. Pray, just praise Him. Love it. All right. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Mission State Church Podcast. We will be back next week with our next episode in the Greatest Revelation series. Hope you guys have been enjoying it. Leave us a comment, like, review, uh, whatever it takes. Subscribe if you'd like. If you liked more content, uh, we hope that this is making Jesus known in your life. We love you guys. We'll see you back next week. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35, and we also have five community groups that meet throughout the Kansas City metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com, or you can send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.